Well, today, uh, as we remember those who fought for our freedoms, there are very few who remain with us, just 2% of our vets uh, here to remind us of what must not be forgotten. And back in World War I, we'll take you to the first one, Canada built an army from nothing. And by the end of that great war, we would amass 100,000 volunteer soldiers who garnered a very big reputation for our grit, our skills, leadership, and who would be always sent into the most dangerous of tasks because we were tough. And that was the war to end all wars, and sadly we are here and have had several more. By World War II, we had one million soldiers who stepped up. 42,000 would be killed, 55,000 injured. And those who are alive today are mainly those who enlisted underage. These are young men. Well, they were boys, really. They would lie about their age so they could defend our country. My next guest was a member of the Winnipeg Rifles and who would be among the first wave of Canadian soldiers to land at Juneau Beach on June 6, 1944. As Jim Parks' boat headed into shore, he and his platoon would actually be hit by heavy German fire. Yet even as these young men were being killed and injured, Jim and the others fought on and lived to tell their stories today. Veteran Jim Parks, now 98, joins me. Thank you so much. Oh, it's a pleasure. Jim, um, when you went to war at 15, uh, you were a, a, a boy and your brother Jack. It was Jack who convinced you, I guess, to lie about your age and enlist. You both stormed the beaches of Normandy, which is unbelievable. You were separate, but as kids, uh, you know, you lived through this. You remember that horror like it was yesterday. So many vets could not talk about that. My grandfather could never talk about what he saw, and yet you do. Why? Well, I've... Uh... I, I've done this several times over the years. It, uh, and we used to talk about it among ourselves when we were uh, at the local pubs or the Legion earlier on. And I've uh, I've never uh, I've never stepped back from not talking about it because if you don't ventilate, you're not going to be uh, you're not going to feel better about it, you know. And uh, when you talk too, you you also talk about your friends and you mention their names and uh, like they say, the names live forevermore. But I, I think of people that on the on the Corporal Scaife on the beach where I, uh, I had to swim in, and I, I picked up his Sten gun, and he was mortally wounded. I think of him, and I think of Corporal Barton, who uh, we pulled out of the water, and he uh, uh, he died in uh, in my brother's arms, at, uh, right beside me. And uh, it was kind of rough going in because there's a lot of shell fire and machine gun fire, and we had to we had to keep under cover. Meanwhile, there were other people, other soldiers who would uh, who caught the bullet, and they, they were either either lying dead or they or they're wounded. So we uh, it was a pretty rough, uh, pretty off landing because the water itself it's, uh, it was kind of rough going in because our our boat was hit and uh, we ended up being getting dumped in the water, and we sort of I had to doff all of our equipment. I had nothing left and only my webbing, and so I swam in and I. Like I say, the first guy I bumped into lying on a beach, be mortally wounded, was Corporal Scaife. I took his stun gun and I took a small pack, and I I kept the uh, I kept the stun gun for quite a long time. But the small pack, before the end of the day, I lost it somewhere because a small pack would have all your evolution kits and and mess tins and everything else in it, so uh, it would have been handy, but. Uh, managed to survive getting some of the other other kits uh, later on, but it was it was a rough day all, overall because once we crossed the beach, 
past the beach, a little quieter, beyond the beach, until we got this place called Puto, and uh, except for snipers. And then the Puto was a, a little village, uh, just a few kilometers inland, and uh, uh, that's where the uh, on the eighth of June the, uh, the Germans, Twelfth uh, SS Panzer Division, they launched a counterattack, and we had a pretty rough time there for a while. And like we say, lost about a. 160 on the beach, and we lost about another 256 on around the 8th of June. So yeah. the 400 we lost in in two days, and we uh, we we did get a much much longer time. So uh, Four, fourteen thousand, you know, Jim. Fourteen thousand Canadians uh, landed on Juno Beach on the on D Day, and, and you know we were known as being tough, uh, but it was a bloody, bloody day. And um, you know those kinds of horrors, we don't see those kinds of horrors today. And so, because we're so far away from from that Second World War, how, how do we explain this to younger generations so they understand what it is you, uh, your brother? all these other men and women, what they sacrificed. Well, all you're really doing is when you're, um, you're just painting a picture when you're talking to them and you're trying to do the best you can. And it's, it's pretty uh, difficult to relay the gory situations. I mean, what you're saying is that there's machine gun fire, there's shell fire and so on. And it's up to their imagination. You try to stimulate their imagination to what it was like. It's noisy. It was dangerous. It was uh, you had to keep under fire, and you're losing your friends left and right, mm. and still had to push forward. It's, you, you try to uh, you, you paint that picture, but it's, you're just hoping that they will get the uh, to get the message through. That the uh, that the boys that uh, a lot of the boys didn't make it. We left. I think we have about seven thousand in Normandy who didn't make it. They're buried in the beaches. Mm-hmm. Denny Samir and Gray Samir. So what's uh, Bernier Samir? I think it is. Breakfast Soleil, that's it. Yeah. So there's quite a few boys over there buried in Normandy that didn't didn't make it. And those are the people and yourself uh, that we remember today. You know, here in 2022, we face a, a number of threats. You know, Russia, uh, which made no secret that it wanted to restore its glory, is, um, you know, Ukraine is, is basically blocking them from taking, uh, you know, democracy. China uh, sees itself, uh, both of these countries see themselves at war with the West. And our military, um, you know, it, through the years has been reduced to a shell of, of itself um, freedom, as you well know, is fleeting. How concerned are you um, that we may be forgetting what men like you fought for? Well, it, it's a, it seems to be the way of the world. We have uh, we have these confrontations going on in different parts, and uh, it's uh, one one particular group wants to t- take over the territory of another, and they uh, force their way in. And of course, there's a lot of casualties and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, sadness is happening all the time. And we're hoping that we're in a more civilized part of the world and that we uh, we try to curtail these movements one way or the other. By uh, even today, we're 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 trying our best to uh, to avoid conflict. But there's always that group that's in there that are forcing their way in, and they create conflict. And you have to respond in order to protect yourself and your territory. So it's uh, it's pretty hard to convince that. The message, but when I talk to people, I say, "What you have here in Canada, we have, we're lucky. We don't, we mm-hmm. haven't 
met this confrontations. We've we've uh, we've answered a call and sent people over to these different areas to fight on the behalf of the country, but we haven't had to uh, to fight on a long time. We haven't had to fight anybody on our own territory to protect our territory. It's uh, you try to convince them, but you but I try to say we're in. I get up and I talk to them. I said we're here in the country, one of the greatest countries in the world. And I say, I'm sorry, I make a correction. It's the greatest country in the world. And that's what I do And I, uh, when I talk to the group. And I get good response for these. It's usually high school students I see. And, uh, and yeah, I get good response for them. They, they seem to get the message. And, they, uh, and it's, a good, it's, it's a good feeling. You, you mix with them after the talk, and you chat with them, and they, and they ask questions, and you you respond and they um uh, you get there's a lot of respect shown a lot of respect mm-hmm. veterans very much yeah shown. well the respect is uh definitely earned i know that uh you've got a new documentary coming out called little black devils this is from juno to puto being shot in france this is going to include both uh you and your brother the parks brothers parks uh said little black devils was the name given to your team um that will be a big imprint that is left behind of your story. Yeah. Listen, uh, you know how they got named the Little Black Devils, right? <laughs> uh, they were dressed in dark green uniforms, the rifles were. And this is back in the 1880s when there's when there a fighting out in the prairies. And uh, the, uh, they're fighting the Métis and the, and the Natives. And at the, uh, at the end of the, the, uh, the conflict, the chief poundmaker said, I know who these gray co- green redcoats are, but who are these Little Black Devils? What he's referring to, the redcoats were the British soldiers who were dressed in red, and the uh, rifle regiments were dressed in green. So that's mm. how they got the name, the Little Black Devils. You've done so much, and you do so much. You don't have to, certainly, but you do. And uh, we thank you for it, Jim. I very much appreciate you talking with us today. We will not forget. Well, thank you very much for calling me. I appreciate that. That is veteran Jim Parks, one of thousands of young men. He was a boy at the time who uh, gave up his young adulthood to go to war for us. These are the people we honor today and the people we must not forget.